0: coming up next on the wet fly swing podcast
1: one or two dead drifts just to see you know if i can get some takers and then typically if i start skittering it like and in like the tongues and tail outs i'll just start giving a little skitter and usually i'll just smack it when they're looking for caddis putting movement into um caddis for sure usually i'll dead drift one or two times no takers and if i start putting some movement kind of similar to crane flies All they the way they take the they'll just get like nuts when you start moving them
0: that was jerry meyer with her skittering tip for dry flies top trout dry flies how to fish them and the driftless angler today on the swing welcome to the wet fly swing fly fishing show where you discover tips tricks and tools from the leading names in fly fishing today hey how you doing today thanks for stopping by the show head over to Wetfly Swing on Instagram right now for your chance to uh, ask a question for an upcoming guest. You can go there right now and click that follow button and ask a question. You're supporting this podcast and getting a question on the next episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Trestle, who you know from their game-changing telescopic fly rod roof rack systems. But did you also know that Trestle just released the only universal bike rack system designed exclusively for the angler and outdoorsman? You can check out this new universal rack system at wetflyswing.com slash right now to see their full line of gear-carrying products and the Artist Series apparel. That's Trestle, T-R-X-S-T-L-E. Trestle, live your pursuit. Jerry Meyer is here to take us into the Driftless area and, uh, and what makes it so unique. We discover what the crane fly hatch is all about. We get the top caddis flies and how to fish them. And then we walk through her overall patterns and tips for fishing the Driftless Angler this year. Plus we find out what the women's fly shop is all about and we dig into gear. Gear is always good, here we go. Jerry Meyer from DriftlessAngler.com. How you doing, Jerry? I'm great. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming on here. This is, uh, I love these, the ones that they've been a long time coming because we've been, I've been trying to get you on for a while. And I think even back to uh, what was that app that came out? We had, uh, it was the, uh, me and yes. the, uh, remember that? We had the podcast session. It was.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't even remember the name. I remember thinking it was cool. <laughs> i
0: feel bad <laughs> isn't that funny that's how fast the social media stuff goes that's why you realize you don't put your eggs what. in one basket right because it was like this huge thing it blew up and then all sudden, well now it's gone right so um but it was fun it was fun because what um, i think it was called clubhouse is what it was
1: clubhouse yes yes that's right
0: and we went on there and i was kind of co-hosting with a couple other podcasters and you came on there and we had, yeah it was a fun chat and and i think that was the first time i really kind of connected with you so but obviously, you're up in the drift list. You're up in one of these places in the U.S. that everybody talks about, right? It seems like it's that place. It's really <laughs> special. So we're going to dig into that today. Before we get there, take us back really quick to how you first got into fly fishing.
1: So I got into fly fishing. Um, I have a, a brother that had taken a class at Washington State University. I'm from the Northwest. I'm from Eastern Washington. And, um, you know, I was around it. He's a steelheader, and I never really... I wasn't really attracted to it in the beginning when I was young, but then I think we were at Wallowa Lake, Oregon, and Joseph or Enterprise, one of those little towns, there was a fly shop, and some guy gave my whole family a casting lesson, and I was just like, this is amazing. was gifted a little cheapo setup, and I was in Taos at the time, and I just went and just flogged the <laughs> out of the Rio Grande yeah. terribly, but I stuck with it. I mean, I thought it was kind of fun and dabbled. And then uh, later met my now husband and he was managing a shop in Taos and I'm ridiculously competitive. So I just was like, oh, he's better than me. I've got to keep doing this. (laughs) So it happened kind of quickly. And yeah, that was a long, long time ago, but that's kind of how it happened.
0: Wow. So New Mexico. So you're over there. And then how did you make your way across, uh, I guess, up through the country to Wisconsin?
1: So um, my husband's from Michigan. We had a buddy from uh, Mankato, Minnesota, who had said, have you ever heard of this driftless place? And he said, no, tell me more about it. it sounded cool. We looked it up online. We visited, fell in love, did not wet a line, moved here, and <laughs> we were both proficient anglers, loved the area, set up shop, bought a building, and um, couldn't catch fish for almost 10 days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were panicking.
0: What time of year was it?
1: August 6th and it was a hundred and something degrees. Oh right. Yeah. Oh, we were just just panicking. So um luckily John Bethia, a local who had been guiding, and he's a pink squirrel guy, he was just like, You knuckleheads, you're going out midday, you can't, you know, these teeny spring-fed streams, that's just dumb. So he got us squared away and it just kind of took off. My husband guided, I worked in the shop, didn't know what the hell. I was doing. <laughs> And yeah, so we we struggled through it, but we did, and now it's kind of a it's kind of a nice gig.
0: Yeah, it is. How was that when uh, you're in the shop, you know, struggling? Because I know I've been I've worked in shops too, and sometimes like you don't have the answers to everything. Like, how was that the first time when your guys are coming to ask you for things and maybe you didn't have the answer?
1: Oh, I had no answers. In fact, when we made this arrangement, he told me, "Do you want to move to Wisconsin?" And honest to God, I was like, "Why the?" F, <laughs> expletive. Right. Would I go to Wisconsin? I'm like, you're out of your damn mind. Why would I do that? We're leaving Taos, and we were kind of done with Taos, but he talked fancy to me. Yeah. <laughs> so, what were
0: the points? What were his? Uh, what were the bullets that he was like that convinced you?
1: <laughs> a lot of fishing and a small town like I grew up in Pullman, and you know, a small farm town, and it was really charming, kind of slightly hippie, a little crunchy, but not not Taos crunchy. And, you know, all this water, like tons and tons of water. So, a lot of fishing and easy fishing. And, well, easy to get to. Maybe it's a little technical, but, um, but I said, I'm not going to work the shop. I was like, I'm going to do something else. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. If that didn't work out. So, <laughs> there you <laughs> so go. I sat in the shop and had to, you know, I was putting lines on backwards. So oh, I was wow. Just like, I making up left and right, you know.
0: So, you faked it. You faked it till you made it.
1: I totally did. But I was a quick study. I will say that like I was online, like if somebody asked me about something I didn't know, I'm looking it up, Um, you know, so then the more I fished and the more, you know, I started doing it on my own here, it became far easier and then became something that was my passion, you know, so now it's kind of nice. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, that is nice. What is the difference you mentioned at New Mexico versus Wisconsin? I mean, that sounds like there's different, uh, probably maybe some different politics or whatever, but like the places, the environment, is it a big change? Like, cause you think of Wisconsin, like, wow, it's way up North. Is it just freezing? How do you like it?
1: It is freezing. Oh, I like it. The winters suck. <laughs> the winters in Wisconsin just Yeah. Did. So we've kind of worked it out that we go South. So we typically host trips in the winter. So that is not a bad situation um New Mexico you know it's bigger water so a lot bigger water and these teeny little spring fed creeks all walk and wade and just a far more i think intimate experience but um i miss New Mexico but not i would not probably live there again but i i did love it i loved it yeah
0: it's good i mean right you can't beat the weather right the weather is like amazing in the winter in the winter time right
1: yeah right
0: that's awesome Thinking of the Driftless, so we've talked – we've had a few episodes with some people that you know who have been on the show before. But I'm curious, again, take us back to the Driftless because I know spring-fed streams and all that, the Driftless. Maybe talk about that, the streams. Where is everything – is it flowing into a larger – creeks kind of down into something or is it just dissipating into – the? yeah.
1: So we are in – I mean, they're all spring-fed in our general area. So, I mean, the radius is is pretty large around us. They're all spring-fed. But they definitely dump into bigger streams, which eventually dump into either the Wisconsin and Mississippi.
0: Oh, okay. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. So yeah, we're close to the Mississippi and the Wisconsin. We're close to both rivers. So, uh, but they're all like street to sidewalk size, you know, really cold, cool, beautiful little meandering streams. And it's a beautiful place. This is my favorite place to fish. I like going elsewhere for sure, but it is the place I always want to come back to. Yeah,
0: it's it, because it has. And what are the species that uh, you're catching there?
1: So in our streams, uh, brook trout and brown trout. Brookies are native and brown.
0: Yeah, and bro- no rainbows.
1: No rainbows. No, if so, they're from somebody's stock pond. A little bit south of us and, and further west of us, there are some rainbows, but not in our direct area.
0: Okay. And then talk about that. We've mentioned this before, but just the drift list, describe why it is the drift list and how it's different from, say, any of the other places that are like more farmland, I guess would be the way to say it.
1: So there are definitely farmland, but this place was unglaciated. So no glacial drift. Um, so as, you know, water just kept flowing and little springs were created, the topography is, it's Karst, and that there's holes and like gullies and gulches, and so there's water flowing, you know, out of a limestone wall, and just beautiful, all like cold, like cold, cold water. Tons of springs, springs everywhere. So it's it's very, it's slow. You know, they say the Driftless mindset is slow. We're in the valley; it's slow. Lots lots of valleys. And but still really lush and green and and it's really picturesque. It's it's a beautiful beautiful place.
0: Right on. And that's thing I always think about. You know, we're Wisconsin. You hear a lot about Iowa. You know, and some of these places that aren't maybe known as what you right for travel. Yeah. It's almost that middle of the country. Right? Iowa, you know, Kansas, mm-hmm. Nebraska, South Dakota, North Korea. You know, you got all that, and then to the west of that is like wow, Wyoming and all the west. And then to the right is like you guys and all the Great Lakes. What is going on there? Do you know, like, why is Iowa not? Is it just because the driftless that uh, glaciation is the big difference?
1: Oh, yeah. So, but even Iowa, there's a big chunk of driftless in Iowa. Oh, there is? Yeah, not as big as Wisconsin, but it is. So Iowa, Minnesota, uh, Wisconsin, and a teeny sliver in Illinois. So Wisconsin, I believe, has the majority of it, and then Minnesota, North or sorry, southeast Minnesota, and then northeast Iowa has a chunk. But there's a good chunk in Iowa. And in fact, their season stays open year-round. So when our season, our trout season closes, (laughs) we go down there. They curse our names, Wisconsinites. But um, (laughs) yeah, but they see our plates.
0: Right, right. That's right.
1: But it's beautiful water, beautiful water.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it is, the Mississippi, I mean, is right there. Like literally, you're not, how far of a drive is it? You're just kind of right there in town almost.
1: Forty minutes, yeah,
0: yeah, forty minutes. So, what is that like? What's the Mississippi? Because you always think of the Mississippi, at least me as a Westerner. I'm like, oh, the Mississippi, you think down south, but I mean, what is it like running through town there?
1: I wish we could figure it out. I love the Mississippi. We go down and fish smallies and you know panfish, northern's. So for us, Mississippi fishing is an absolute blast hmm. in the summer, especially. And then we go. So as you go north, I think north, I think there's kind of a musky scene. For where we are, not so much, but um we're so south of La Crosse is kind of where we fish when we do go to the Mississippi. And then we can go the other direction about an hour, a little over to um the Wisconsin. Oh, yeah. So that's also fun for smallies and, and muskie and northerns.
0: Gotcha. And is La Crosse, and La Crosse is a pretty decent sized town?
1: Yeah, it is. Yep. It's And that's about 40 minutes from us.
0: Okay. Yeah, you're right there. This is really cool. So... So, yeah, you have the Mississippi. Maybe if we have time, we'll we'll touch on that a little bit because I'm always interested. I know bass fishing is definitely a hot topic. People are loving that. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess, well, let's take it to the shop because, I mean, you have this shop, which is another one of those names, right? The Driftless Angler Fly Shop is, it's one of those big names you hear about probably because you guys are leading up in that area. But how, like, what do you cover at the shop? If somebody's coming into the shop today and they're saying, hey, I want to go fishing. I've never been here before. What do you tell them?
1: So we, are, we try to be as generous as we can with information. It's still a business. And, you know, as this area gets more and more populated, it is hard. We try to work, you know, with local landowners. Um, but the DNR manages our water so well that there's just a ton of public water. I mean, just a ton. So um, there's so many trout streams in just our county, but surrounding counties as well. So this is certainly you know, there's a lot, a lot, we can host a lot of people, but at the same time, we really don't want to put that much pressure. But what we do is we will, we have these maps that we hand out and, you know, kind of give a rough, give out the information. Yeah. Yeah. Where, you know, there's a lot of access on this stream. This watershed can, you know, right now it's fishing. Well, we try to be as as forthcoming as we can, but that's also a dance. You know, there's a balance there that you can't,
0: yeah, you're not giving them an exact map, like X marks the spot, go to this place yeah, and catch this fish. Exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. And there's water that, you know, okay, it's running a little warm or the fish are maybe a little more pressured here. So anyway, you, you know, it's just what you have to do when you have a shop.
0: There you go. So, and when people come in, so you got Brownsbrook. So like, let's talk this time of year. So it is, uh, I mean, gosh, it's already, we're coming up to June, July. So the summer's going to be coming yeah. here pretty quick. How does it feel there, first of all? How's it like today? What's the weather like there in kind of late, late May?
1: It's cooler than, I mean, end of May can get really warm. I think we're in like mid to high 60s today, which is great. But this is, May is our prime. This is probably our number one month. Oh, it is. So, yeah, it's a little off right now, but normally like hatches are crazy right now. Fishing on the surface is typically really, really good. For some reason, the bugs are off and we're not seeing hatches like we normally would this time of year. I think they're just a little bit slow. So hopefully that'll kind of push us into early June because by the end of June, we're in our dog days. So July and August are typically early, early morning and then evenings. Um, We can still have great fishing, hopper dropper fishing, really good terrestrial fishing. And we usually will start to see some hatches like maybe light colored mayflies and crane flies and caddis can stick through most of the summer. But for right now, this is when we see the most human pressure, and it's it's been pretty nuts. <laughs> it has,
0: it has. So that's it. People are just jonesing to get out and get fishing. So everybody's there. Yep. And then what does that look like? Nuts. I mean, you talk, you hear about some of these stories about the Madison over out of Montana stuff, where there's like you know thirty boats.
1: Oh, not like that. Thirty <laughs> boats
0: or whatever it is. Right. Yeah, it's not that bad. Yeah.
1: No, but you know the one thing in, and I I do love Montana. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but you know you're cranking fish, you're cranking boats through and as they cycle you know you're seeing different fish this the thing here is that there's only so many access points so people do crowd and they high hole and they low hole and you know i think some of it is just education others is like okay i had to drive four hours to get there i'm going to fish wherever the hell i want (laughs) kind of thing so
0: yeah i got my spot right somebody probably is like i have my spot i want to get it
1: yeah etiquette can be an issue here i think for the most part people really do they want to talk with each other and i, I think the respect is generally there for sure and when not i think it's mainly just uh, they don't know better so yeah we're and we try hard to tell people you know don't high hole because it's walking wade we're all fishing upstream you know blah 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 but but yeah i think that one is getting better
0: Yeah. What is the high, like, what would you tell somebody if they are coming there? How far do you have to go above to not high hole somebody?
1: Yeah, it's a toughie because access points can kind of crowd each other as it is. But, um, you know, I mean, it depends on, like, if I'm guiding, it's different than if I'm fishing for fun. But if you, yeah, yeah, there will be people that will say, oh, I'm going to go 200 yards up. That should be plenty. And I'm like, I'm going to fish more than 200 yards. You know, this is... I've got a full day to fish, and I'm gonna go way more than 200 yards. Right. So, yeah, I mean,
0: it's a case by case.
1: Yeah, and I know what flies to put on. I know what I'm. You know. Yeah. There's so many fish per mile here. This is not. I can change flies, and I can probably still eke out some fish. But yeah, it does change things. It's not. It's not as nice as not having someone above me to fish. You know, a big chunk of water and.
0: Yeah. So what would you be if you were sitting there and you were, um, somebody just fished through the water, let's just say you're in June, you know, because that's coming right around the corner. If somebody just fished the water right above you and then you're coming in to fish that water, how are you, you know, tweaking or knowing what to tweak there to maybe pick that fish up that's already been spooked?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, I guess because I'm here um, and on the water more often would probably know better what's hatching and matching, you know, like... I know what's working on this stretch. Timber on uh, one of the tributaries. Yeah, okay, we were seeing black caddis or we're seeing crane flies or whatever. So normally I probably, I would just think I probably have a better idea of what bugs are working. Yeah, or hell, I'll put a streamer in. <laughs> right. <laughs> streamer fish streamer officially. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, uh, so, but I would probably, I mean, I'm not, because I do know where m- so many of the access points are, and I do know the water. Um, I probably would leave. So I will rarely fish behind someone, yeah. I will never fish in front of someone, but yeah, <laughs> I yeah. will fish behind someone.
0: And uh, and I know you have a, a report on your website, so that's probably one good resource. So yeah. if somebody wanted to figure out if they were coming in June or July, like what was hatching, what bugs, what flies to use, what would you recommend there where they can kind of get an update there? Just stop by the fly shop or?
1: For sure, stop by the fly shop. But if you can't, you know, you can always look at, because Matt does stream reports every once in a while and he's gone, I'll do them. But, um, yeah, we have stream reports pretty much every day. So you can get at least a general idea. It won't necessarily say, you know, well, once in a while it'd be timber. We're seeing crane flies on timber coolie, or we're seeing, you know, black caddis here or whatever. But usually it's just a general, like, okay, we're seeing sulfurs now. So have those and be prepared, uh, subsurface purple drink or whatever. So usually there's some some um, indication of what's hatching and what's working. Gotcha.
0: So crane flies, I love that. I was looking at that earlier. So what is a crane, what is that? Like, is that a hatch or how do you fish the crane fly?
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. So it's an actual hatch. Um, They're super leggy, like kind of spindly leggy. and Yeah, these
0: are like the mosquito eaters, right?
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, We call them, but I think it's a different, I think it's an actual different fly. But when in Washington, we call them mosquito hawks. Or i think that's what we call them as kids um and it was big like twice as big as the ones we fish
0: oh so these are small yeah these might even be a different species yeah. so
1: yeah yeah six size 16 18 some 14 is the biggest but i mean it's such a delicate fly and it's such a pain i've never even attempted to tie it but everyone i talk to that ties them and says it just takes forever it's so yeah, it's a pain in the ass to tie, um, and but lots of movement. And in fact, most of the flies that we fish here, we we put movement into the flies here. Uh, so definitely skittering those will make fish nuts when there's a hatch or when they're looking for crane flies. A little bit of movement and they'll just hammer them.
0: Hmm. And fishing on, the, so you're fishing it just like dry on the surface.
1: Yeah, yeah, dress it, skitter it. It's yeah, it's it's a ton of fun. And the fish like there, it's a real obvious eat when they eat. Crane flies is a real, like, almost like a teenager, clumsy, floppy, weird, you know, like spinning out of the water kind of eat. So they must be delicious.
0: <laughs> right, right, right. And so and the crane fly, and then what would be a pattern that you say these are tough to, is there like a pattern that you would, would you, a name pattern somebody would know about?
1: Uh, so what we sell and is most effective, it's called a coulee crane fly. And I don't even know, you know, look, it's on the website. You can see we sell them and Yeah. It's a great pattern, but it is delicate. Yeah, we'll check it out, the
0: coolie Crane Fly. And do you fish under the surface with the Crane Fly at all?
1: So I really don't. Like, there are imitations that I think, like a Crane Fly, I think we're, you know, that's a Crane Fly pupa. So a little bit of purple, gray, a little bit of flash in it. Um, purple drank is one of, the, one of the patterns that is, throughout the year, really successful. But I do think that's kind of what they're targeting as Crane Fly. And brush hogs. And yeah, those two mainly.
0: Gotcha. Okay. And then like you said, you mentioned a few of these, but some of the other big hatches throughout the year in the summer, or um, you said the black caddis, the tan caddis. Are there any other ones?
1: Yep. Yep. Black and tan. So caddis right now, this is our caddis time, and it'll last. Usually they'll last pretty well into the summer, if not through. And we do get olives, we do get intermittently, we get um solid mayflies. So we'll get, sulfurs are kind of showing up now. We'll get some Cahills. We haven't gotten uh, Hendrickson's, but we're just starting to see them again. Like I think we, when we first moved here, we saw some Hendrickson's and March Brown's and then it kind of went away and we've had some significant flooding and it seems that we might start seeing them again. So yeah, that's kind of fun. We're seeing a spring stonefly, and I've just, the last few days, been seeing little tan stoneflies. That's cool. We'll see some um, sallies once it starts to warm up. Midges, unfortunately. I freaking hate <laughs> midge fishing, but we got them. Yeah,
0: too too small. Oh,
1: you just got it. Yeah, my eyes. I have old eyes.
0: Midges, yeah. Blue-winged olives.
1: Um, yeah, olives for sure and um tricos in the later summer and sometimes if it's warm they'll last into the fall so yeah i mean it can be bug soup here like just everything you can think of all at once
0: and what is on the caddis what's the dry what's a popular dry using for them
1: so um we have so a front end loader i'm trying to think of like the elk hair for sure solid and so matt my husband sometimes takes liberty and and names his yeah <laughs> his creative naming but um there's one that is just a little CDC underwing on an L care and call it bedhead but that one can be very effective especially I'll kind of when I dress them try to make those ends a little spiky and I do think it might be a crossover kind of crane looking thing um, missing links for sure oh yeah right right that's
0: the greatest ever
1: yeah. If you're just even in like, a, like 14, 16, sometimes, unfortunately, you have to go a little smaller. But, you know, bring just standard versions of black and tan and you'll be great.
0: Today's episode is sponsored by Token's Fly Shop. Token's Fly Shop provides superior quality products at a great price. They have also a great YouTube channel that you can check out right now with uh, new fly tying tutorials each week. Togans also has you covered if you're looking for unique in-house products, and they also support uh, many, many of the great brands out there that you know and trust. It's been fun connecting with Justin and the family uh, over the years now, and it's it's been really cool. Great local fly shop. Togans is also offering their fly tying box where they send out materials at a regular cadence where you don't even have to think of it. You just open the mailbox, and there's your Togans pack. And I recently made an order through Togans, and the experience is always perfect. They've got you covered if you ever have questions or need any help, whether that's a YouTube tutorial or connecting with them uh, personally. Since 2005, Togans has been over-delivering on customer service, and it's time for you to check out uh, Togans Buzz for yourself. You can head over to wetflyswing.com Togans right now to check out their diverse selection of products today. You support this podcast by clicking through that link to Togans online. That's Togans. T-O-G-E-N-S. Okay, back to the show. And what are your, I know this is not an easy thing to do, but if you're just having a selection of flies for the the whole summer, or from now through the summer, what would be like t- five patterns you must have in
1: your box? Hippie Stomper would be number
0: one. Really? So the Hippie Stomper?
1: Oh my God.
0: Why does that one work so well?
1: I honestly do not know. It's uh, We've had Gorillos out here. He's... Such a good egg. We just adore him. Um, He's come out and, I mean, just slammed fish on that damn fly. And we carry it in, I mean, so many different colors and variations and sizes. But um, terrestrial fishing, but even, it's so ridiculous, even in the spring. I mean, not a ton, but we'll get a few. They'll hit that hippie stomper in the spring. I've actually had a buddy that's caught him in the winter, caught fish Mm. on a hippie stomper in the winter. So I don't know what they're thinking. But, you know, I think beetle... And, you know, it's that it's got it all, they love it, yeah, yeah, and in purple, purple, red, um, yeah, crazy colors, yellow, hippie Stomper would be my number one, uh, my number two would be purple drank,
0: okay, and what's the purple drink?
1: It's a soft collar, it, it's similar to a brush hog, a little more purple in it with a little soft collar, um, like I wish I even knew what, oh, <laughs> but, yeah. I could compare it to.
0: Yeah, it's kind of like a, um, yeah, it's like a little, it's just a little kind of a nymph uh, emerger kind of with a bead.
1: Yeah, yeah, it is. Yes, a nymph, yeah, exactly.
0: Again, tan, like you said, tan brown, right? The body's kind of just that tan. It's got a little purple collar.
1: Yeah, yeah, little purple in it, yeah. Um, A scud, definitely need a scud. Not year-round, but maybe most of the year we can fish scuds. Um, Pink squirrel, did I say that one?
0: Oh, yeah, pink squirrel
1: and uh film critic
0: oh fil- like a
1: little olive merger.
0: film critic this is great this is great okay these are so i love these names i don't know all these names are these names that you guys came up with
1: no so film critic was an idle wildfly. it's an olive merger, and i don't know if it's even i don't even know where you can get them i don't
0: oh i could see them right here well, you got some, I'm just randomly looking, but yeah, you can get them online. It looks like you, you can buy them right here.
1: Oh, from us, for sure.
0: From you and then from, I don't know where the Pacific fly fishers are, but that uh, is another one. But yeah, I'm looking like, wow, that is a crazy fly.
1: It's a great fly.
0: That has definitely got all sorts of orange and green and uh, it's got yeah. all the colors of the rainbow, doesn't it? Yeah.
1: Really effective. Like a really effective little emurder. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, caddis for sure. I didn't really mention, but I think that's kind of one that most people have. Yeah, elk care. Yeah, but the ones that you might want to go out of your way. Zebra midges off and on can be effective as well. Frenchies, I know I'm that's more than five. But. No, no, it's good. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> and leeches.
0: And leeches.
1: Oh, yeah, leeches and streamers, but olive black leeches for sure. In fact, yesterday I was on the water and my legs, I had three on. So <laughs> they're definitely in the water.
0: There you go. <laughs> yeah. There you go. And so it sounds like you cover not just dries. I mean, you cover it all emergers, nymphs, you, neuro-nymphing. You do everything up there.
1: Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. In fact, Jason Randall, who you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's here. And I mean, that's I think all he does is euro nymph mm. And successfully.
0: Yeah. We'll put a link out to that episode we had with him. We did talk about the driftless, but that was a long time ago. It seems like that was years ago now.
1: Yeah, I know it does.
0: This is good. Okay, well, so we got a nice little lineup here. Let's go through just a couple of these, like how you fish them. So on the scud, how are you fishing the scud pattern, that pattern?
1: I dead drift it, but I might put a little bounce into it. Um, I'll fish it either under a terrestrial, under a foam pattern, or if I fish it under an indicator, I'm just trying to kind of let it bounce. And I, you know, a little bit of movement, but I I don't move it a lot.
0: Mm. Okay, so you're trying to get this thing like pretty near the bottom or touching the bottom?
1: Yeah, and and the ones I do fish have a tungsten bead, um, so definitely gets down.
0: Perfect, no, this is great. So good, so we got the scud, and then um, let's go. So we got the uh, pink scroll, and then the film critic is kind of a, a, yeah, that's an emerger, right? How would you fish the film critic?
1: Yeah, so oftentimes, because I cannot see, (laughs) because my old, old eyes, um, lately I've been fishing in it, uh, trailing it behind, like, either a bigger caddis. And if I do fish it alone, I, I'll, like, help get a sharpie, and I'll have to put pink on the post because I I just can't see. So that's that's been helping. Um, but a slow drift on those, those I don't put a ton of movement in. You know, once in a while, I might like, give it a little twitch. But, yeah, that, it's helped a ton to put it behind, like, a big elk hair. Or even sometimes I'll put it behind a hippie stumper. I don't usually do very well with that. But behind a big caddis, I'll double dry. And then it helps a ton. (laughs) Mm,
0: Okay. Wow. And then the elk hair, that's one that, you know, you'll fish just main fly. And then what's the tips there on elk hair? Because that seems like one that's a, everybody knows about the elk hair. But is there a secret?
1: Oh, no. I mean, like, you mean as far as how I fished it? Yeah. Yeah. I'll skitter an elk hair, um, especially right now. I'll usually do a drift or two. One or two dead drifts just to see, you know, if I can get some takers. And then typically if I start skittering it in like the tongues and tail outs, I'll just start giving a little skitter and usually I'll just smack it really? when they're looking for caddis. Yep. Putting movement into um, caddis for sure. This time of year. for sure. Actually, always. I think I always like, again, usually I'll dead drift one or two times, no takers. And if I start putting some movement, kind of. Similar to crane flies. I'll, they, the way they take, the, they'll just get like nuts when mm. you start moving them.
0: And what is the, describe the skitter. How would you do with the skitter, skittering?
1: So I do a skitter. I make my cast, rod tip down. I always have to tighten up your line, uh, especially when I'm teaching people how oftentimes if you're not seeing that fly move, your line's not tight enough. So tighten up my line. And then as I'm lifting my rod, just with a little gentle shake, like kind of a pretty fast shake of my wrist, I just shaking the tip of that rod as I'm lifting it up and still, you know, obviously still stripping, otherwise I'm gonna, you know, not move it, but so yeah. And then just, it's just kind of flying like a little flit on the water. Wow! Yeah, it's really fun. It's really fun.
0: That is cool. And are you fishing mostly upstream?
1: Yeah, always upstream. I shouldn't say always, most of the time, the only exception is like I'll swing soft tackles, you know, through ripples or if we've had a lot of rain and we have good stain, you know, then you can maybe fish, uh, especially like leeches and, and when you're swinging stuff, you know, you can go through, but I, unless there's stain on the water, I don't typically do that. Um, once it warms up the fissure, you know, right now, even in, they're in the riffles a little more than I'd like, but, um, you know, now you can put some soft tackles through riffles.
0: Gotcha. Okay. And when you're fishing these dries, are you looking typically for, like pools, is that typically the type of water right against the bank sort of thing? Or what? where are the fish, where are you getting the risers?
1: Yeah, so uh, definitely in pools and seams, um, bubble lines. But for us, most of our streams have really good undercuts. So we hit banks hard. Um, and you can see, you know, you can typically see that little bit of shadowing. And so especially in the summer months now, even with full sun, we're putting hopper droppers or even just our dries. Um, tight to the banks most of the time. Yeah.
0: So if you can get it like right there, almost touching the bank, you're going to be good.
1: Yep. Exactly. Exactly.
0: And then what happens if you get off the bank, say maybe you, you're afraid of getting snagged and you're two feet. I mean, can you catch fish all throughout the water column?
1: Oh, no, definitely. And these fish will move for sure. So, I mean, if they want it, if they, if they don't want it, yeah, yeah, you get the fin, but, right. but if they're looking and hungry for whatever you're throwing, Um, They definitely will move, but tail outs, bubble lines, seams, you know, it's, it's standard, but luckily for us, it's pretty small water. So we stay away from the aquarium water, the shallow, you know, the water you can see fish in, you'll just hammer and hammer and you're going to push them up into your good water. So especially like when we're guiding, usually we walk around that and people hate it because you see fish unless there's an active, you know, if there's a hatch and fish are actively coming up then we might fish that water. But otherwise, we're going to current, you know, we're going to moving water.
0: Gotcha. And these fish are all, because these are kind of small spring creeks, right? These are, for the most part, smaller brook trout and brown trout?
1: They are. Yeah. Yep. I mean, you know, every year we'll get into, not a ton, but there's some 19s, 20s. I mean, there's certainly big fish here, but. Brown trout. Yes, browns, exactly. Um, yeah, the biggest you get, I, I've caught, and it's been years, years, years since I've caught um, a big brookie, but I've caught a 15-inch brookie, mm. and for here, that's enormous. Yeah, it's big. Um, and there are tigers. That's another oh, thing wow. that's a lot of fun. Yeah.
0: So a tiger's the mix between the two.
1: Yep, mix between a brown and a, and a brook. But as our, I mean, our brook trout population is... Unfortunately, it's, I don't want to say diminishing. It's, yeah, it's shrinking for sure. Water's warming up. And,
0: oh, is that right? We had that conversation in, uh, we had an episode in Maine we did out there with the Maine Fly Guys. And we had that same conversation. We were talking about, you know, changes and right, climate change and fish. So it's interesting because you're in this area that seems like it's pretty protected, right? But again, it comes down to maybe just water temps and climate change.
1: It is. I mean, I shouldn't say it. I mean, I'm certainly not a fisheries biologist, and that's something that I would think that ours would love to talk about, you know, if, if people reached out. But as far as I'm just from an angler perspective, it's much harder to find brook trout than than it has been every year, more and more so. So and, and you know, again, I know where to find them. and it. And even when I go to those spots, it's still... Challenging.
0: Not as easy. And then is, are the browns taking over? Are there more browns then taking the place or about the same uh, type of
1: fishing? No, no, about the same. Yeah, I, I wouldn't say that browns are taking over, but um, browns can handle warmer water than brook trout. And so, yeah.
0: Yep, yep, that's right. And then, like we said, bass, maybe long-term, you know, maybe it's going to be bass they're coming in, potentially.
1: Uh, yeah, that's a kind of our running joke, though not a joke. I know. Um, is. That soon enough, this will be bass water. Yeah.
0: It's the, I mean, it really, it's a, I think this is a national, probably world, you know, international thing, but because I mean, I'm, I'm on the West coast and it's the same joke we have here.
1: Yeah. You know, we've got
0: steelhead and trout and rainbow and guess what? There's smallmouth bass that are, you're catching now where you didn't used to catch them.
1: Right, right.
0: Right, so it's it's like, that's just part of the thing. I mean, it's like, no matter where you are, bass are, you know, it's one of those species, like they're, you know, there's a, all different levels, but carp, I mean, these these are the fish that are going to be here for the time.
1: Oh, yeah, hardy, yeah, tolerant, you bet. And panfish, we, we're seeing more and more panfish. Actually, we're seeing northerns Oh wow! in trout water. Yeah, I mean, not way yeah. high, not, you know, but we are seeing them in, definitely in our tr- in some trout streams.
0: Right. That's right. So when you're going out, so you got all the trout, obviously the Driftless is amazing and beautiful and camping. It's got everything up there. Like if somebody has a camper tent, everything, you can do it all.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. There's some great campgrounds, really lovely, beautiful campgrounds. Yeah. Are
0: they forest service? Is this like forest service type campgrounds?
1: So there are county campgrounds and you can go to Vernon County. That's the county that we're in, but there are other, you know, and surrounding counties, but that are great. Uh, There are a couple private ones, um, West Fork Sportsman's Club, and, I mean, you can look, I think they're all linked on our site. Okay. There's, yeah, links of of hotels and motels and cabins and things like that, and then I think the campgrounds are on it, and if not, I'm going to do that because they should be. Yeah, (laughs) there you go. Yeah, but there are plenty, many places to camp, and some that are really, really close, some that are, you know, the farthest away, I think, would be like 35 minutes that we tell people, so... Close-ish, yeah.
0: Gotcha. Okay, perfect. Well, let's change the the tide here just a little bit. I want to hear about the Mississippi. So you have this covered, obviously, the driftless, but when are you fishing like the big water for, for bass?
1: So we don't guide. Um, That's just for fun.
0: Oh, for fun, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. We don't do any. In fact, we've got good friends that are close by that we would be happy to send people to for bass and for muskie and for northerns. But for us, we just go goof around because I mean, honestly, you're you're doing trout twenty four seven. I'm not twenty four, yeah. but you know, oh, seven yeah. days a week, and it's just we get tired of it. So going and fishing warm water is just for fun. So we've got like some reservoir little ponds around that we'll fish for panfish and and largemouth, and then when we go down to the Mississippi, this is typically the time of year that we're gonna. We'll start going down, like on Sundays. We'll go hang out, take our boat down, and for anybody that wants to do it, there are certainly places where you can do it from the shore, uh, from the bank. You can fish parts of the Mississippi, uh, like their little parks and areas where you can, where you can go. That, um, yeah, it's like forty minutes away, yeah, an hour tops. So that is a blast.
0: Are these uh, smallmouth or largemouth?
1: So both, um, mainly largemouth, but there are sections, rocky sections, where we can find some smallies, which I, that's my favorite. I love smallmouth. But northerns are awfully fun, too. And, and when you get into them, that's that's a lot of fun. Um, even, like, gar. Oh, right. We can catch gar. We can catch carp. We've had some re- There's some really good carp fishing, which I know a lot of people like. Carp, I think, is a blast. Yeah. Yeah. We're kind of all across the board. There's a, just a lot.
0: Wow. What is the, and you mentioned a town on the Mississippi, Lacrosse? So what is that reach? It looks like a pretty wide area. I mean, what is, if you just paint that picture of the Mississippi up there, is it just this wide multi-thread channel or is it just one deep reservoir?
1: Oh, it is. Yes. It is a wide channel with some back channels. So there are back channels that will go, like Goose Island Park and Blackhawk Park will go down to those areas and just kind of mess around in the back channels um oh yeah we don't there's some rocky parts of the main channel that you can fish for smallies but it's hard to find them and it's a lot of, you know you kind of have to work for that but the back channels are kind of fun
0: bear vault is one way to assure your next backcountry trip stays memorable epic and safe bear vault builds a rugged polycarbonate locking canister that keeps bears and other wild animals away from your food This, in turn, keeps your food safe, keeps the bears safe, and keeps you safe. I've got a classic story that I told. I've told a few times about the bear taking my backpack while up in Alaska. I had my lunch and some snacks in there and just went up around the corner to fish for a bit. When I got back, it was uh, totally gone. If I would have had that bear vault right at that moment, I would have been okay because my food would have been completely sealed the bear would have had no idea and no reason to take my backpack so a good reminder there you might not realize it but this type of thing happens all the time even to experienced outdoorsmen the great news for us is now we can experience the great stuff of a remote trip without ever having to worry about animals fiddling with our stuff sleep soundly knowing your vault has sealed the deal for you believe it or not food storage is a key consideration while backcountry hiking fishing or camping the Bear Vault also has some great bonus features, like the see-through sidewalls, so you can find your stuff really easy, and a large opening. Plus, plus, it doubles as a nice camp stool. This thing is is legit. It definitely is one of my. This might be my favorite feature is is the camp stool. You know, I love a good a good chair out there. Check in with the crew at Bear Vault at WetFlySwing.com/slash Bear Vault. That's bear vault b-e-a-r-v-a-u-l-t okay back to the show are people out there like what are tons of people out there swimming and summer in the mississippi is that just like people everywhere
1: yeah there are certain areas i think the mississippi um i mean it's it has some current i don't want to say that's not maybe the safest but there are there are areas of it where you can swim and they've got beaches um the wisconsin is is actually a really pretty dangerous river that one i you know but you can sandbar i mean i would say know what you're doing when you're going to fish that one or go out with somebody yeah who does
0: yeah, it's a big river. I'm trying to get the scale because I haven't been on that part of the river or really any of the Mississippi. It's like, I'm trying to picture like how big, like there must be lots of boats and motor boats floating up and all over the place.
1: Barges, yeah. Yeah, everything yeah, This is yeah, a giant.
0: Yeah. yeah, this is still a gigantic river.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's definitely a big river.
0: Yeah, yeah. I see the Goose Island campground. It's got that cool, yeah, island right in the middle of the Mississippi. There's a yeah. bunch of channels. There's a campground. There's dog heaven.
1: Oh, it's really cool. That and, and Blackhawk are both really fun.
0: Yeah, Blackhawk. Perfect. All right. So so there's some opportunities. It sounds like that's a nice thing about that is that obviously the winters are tough unless you want to do ice fishing probably, right? But once yeah. when does it crack? So when does it shut down? When does this shut down? I know there's a variation, but when are you wrapping up?
1: So the last day of trout is October 15th. And then we'll go play in Iowa a bit and, and have fun down there. We used to guide there. We really don't. We, we direct people to you know, guide friends once in a while, like our regulars, if they ask, we'll go, but mainly we just go down to play, but there are, there are plenty of guides in Iowa that we like to send people to, but so then October 15th, we'll start, that's when we usually start musky fishing or, or northern fishing, and then it starts getting cold, cold, end of November, Thanksgiving-ish, and then December is just out for fishing, and then we start hosting trips in January. So then we start going south.
0: Right, right, right. And where do you go? Where is your host? Of, what's that looking like this next year? Where have you been going?
1: So uh, we, we do a lot in Argentina. We, uh, we do a couple different Patagonia trips, and we do a one heli trip of Patagonia, and then one in San Martin area. And then we go north to uh, so uh, Corrientes Resistencia for Dorado fishing. And then I do Cuba usually. I don't know how it's going to work this next year, but I'll do one or two Cuba trips. And then um, uh, Brazil in September usually. so I
0: In yeah. Brazil, wow. Yeah, yeah. Or November.
1: Actually, this year, November is Brazil.
0: Oh, November, okay. Wow, yeah, you guys have a cover. So you basically if anybody... Uh, yeah. I mean, you've got obviously people come in the shop. That's mostly, uh, just customers that are going on those trips for the most part.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's turned out. Well, I've done some ladies trips and that gets, you know, women from all over, but, um, but we also have, it's kind of now word of mouth, like, Oh, my cousin or my brother by this work associate. So we've gotten people from Seattle, from Jersey, from I mean, just from all over. So and it's very fun like these trips you know we make sure it's not just fishing it's it's more than that and being in warm temperature and especially in argentina i mean the people the culture everything is is just lovely
0: that's right how do you make you know how do you make those trips? Mean, obviously you're in these places which are already unbelievable but how do you make that trip just a little more than just a fly fishing trip
1: you know um i think <laughs> i'm just kind of party-minded, but, you know, I mean, I'm old, so it's... Not...
0: <laughs> but you like to have a good time. You don't have to... You're not yeah. going to bed at early or anything like that.
1: Right. I just think there, you know, and we always go on a tour of the city. We, all, I always try to add something um, that makes it more than just, you know, a generic trip. Um, we try to make sure, like, we all... When we go to Argentina, we try to meet in, in Atlanta, and then we spend a full night in Buenos Aires and go to dinner and make sure like we're bonding and kind of getting to know each other usually I like to switch up if people are game to switch up boats uh, switch up guides you know so you get to meet other people and see other fishing styles and yeah it's just kind of trying to have community not just individuals I think we kind of attract people that way too which is nice
0: yeah, that's right. Because you're, I mean, that is, you hear some of that occasionally, right? You're bringing these people in that don't know each other into a group. How do you make yeah. sure it, it all jives, right?
1: Yeah. And that's what I would want. You know, when I'm on a trip, I don't want to be like isolated and by myself and alone. I'm a social creature. I just want to get to know people and BS and laugh and, you know, share drinks, share food.
0: Yep. Perfect. Yeah. Good, good. So, all right. So you got the travel program going. And then as you, after you wrap that up, you start, when do you come back where you're starting to get set up again for the whole, you know, everything in Driftless?
1: <laughs> so trout opens here the first saturday in january which oh, wow. can be absolutely horrible um usually things aren't locked up then but they can be you know for me again i did it for years where you know, i mean I up guides i just freaking hate it so i am a bit of a wuss i say like if it's in the mid 20s that's kind of my cutoff point i know others will fish cooler than that but you know, you're, I worry about fish. The older I get, the yep. more I'm just like, oh, it's too hard. I don't want to stress fish out. So, you know, bringing anything out of the waters, mess them up in that temperature. So I avoid it. But I'm sure there's so many ways to do it. It's just more I'm just a wuss. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm not as hardy as I used to be. Right. So, but you can. I mean, so even in February, typically things are pretty locked up in February. Um, we usually start to see it. Thought out end of March, sometimes early April, sometimes earlier. But this year, I think it was like mid, mid-March when things really were opening up. And we didn't, we usually get like a late, well, the last few years we've gotten like heavy snow in April and that sucks, but we didn't get that this year. So yeah. So April's actually my favorite month to fish, you know, it's still catch and release. The fish are thawing out. It's usually when I catch my bigger fish, uh, other than like mousing, I'll catch maybe a bigger fish on, on a mouse. But but yeah, April can be great. The weather can suck. That's kind of the thing. And usually not great hatches, maybe some caddis, but yeah.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So you pretty much say April and then May, June, July, August, September. Yeah. I mean, you've got a good, just like normal, the summertime, you got a, the full summer's open. Yep. And then, yeah, then you kind of things shut down. So you may, I want to hear a little bit about the uh, the women's program. I'm not quite sure. I mean, I know you have the website. What is the website? It's the women... Uh, remind me again.
1: Uh, womensflyshop.com. So prior to COVID, I think I started in 2015. It was an online... And, and it's still... It's now just kind of a landing page, but it was an online shop. And then I would go to shows in the winter. And it was... You know, I'd go do some speaking engagements here and there. But it really was just kind of a like a place to find women's gear. It started because I would sit in on all of our, um, you know, meetings with our dealers and reps and I would just get pissed because there was no women's stuff. I mean, like this was and, and prior to that, that was like 2010 or no, we moved here in 2006. So probably 2007, eight. Like, I don't know if you remember that Reddington ad with the, the woman in a bikini holding a tuna. No way. I remember it. Mean, It made me livid. I remember just coming unglued. Wow. And so I'm like emailing and and every time the reps would come, they'd be like, here we go again. Right. She's not going to shut up about it. And I mean, I remember like the Drake. I remember like emailing and just these like, "Ah, why are you doing that? And grumble, grumble.
0: So it was in the Drake. That magazine ad was in the Drake
1: no oh they probably had that ad i'm sure but you know chicks on six all that stuff and i i don't want to badmouth them so maybe i don't know why we need to say that but
0: no tom's a friend of the podcast too so he's you know this is no big deal yeah yeah it's all good yeah i mean i wanted to ask you this just because i'm curious about your take obviously since you know you're a female i want to hear you know how we're doing because it seems like you know the 50 50 thing obviously you know, a good goal. Yeah. It's a good goal. You know, we want yeah. to get there, but, um, I'm just curious, like, how are we doing? Because I always, and we just talked about yesterday. I had River Horse on and we said, Hey, cause he talks a lot about his mom and, you know, and like he's saying, man, so I'm worried, you know, that I'm not doing a good enough job with the podcast. Cause we still have a lot more males than we have females on the show, but what's your take on where we're at?
1: So I think it is, it's a hard, you know, in the beginning it had to be Women being pissed. It had to in order to make a shift. It had to be, you know, rattling cages. It it had to happen that way. And so I think a lot of us did. I mean, maybe like the old school, old school ones. I would say I'm kind of like second wave, not necessarily first wave. But, you know, I think we became maybe the loud ones. At least I know I was or am. But as it started to normalize, you know, and I think that was the hope, at least for me, I just wanted it to normalize. I just wanted it to be. I, you know, there will probably never be 50% women on the water. I I doubt it. Um, but to me, cool if there is. Cool if it's still, like, if the day comes when somebody's going to say, well, what's a woman doing on the stream? You know, <laughs> what are you doing here? Like, that, in a fly shop, you know? Yeah. Honestly, when I would first walk into a fly shop, it was, like, like heads turned. Right. And, you know, people be like, what are you doing here? Wow. And, like, oh, are you here shopping for your dad or your boyfriend or that kind of stuff, but it doesn't happen anymore. You know, I mean, and I shouldn't say across the board, it, I, and I say it like, I haven't seen it happen anymore. I hear more and more, you see more and more women in shops. You see like more guides. Thank God. Yeah. You know? So I think it's turning. Of course you want to have, you know, you want to be visible. There has to be representation. So sure. Grabbing women to be on the podcast. I think it is important you know whatever that looks like for you and what the qualifications are you know i mean i don't i don't know but it is nice as a woman to see that you know it's nice to see women in magazines without kind of the pandering thing without the you know i mean there's there's also that like i don't want to be a token but sometimes i know i have to be right yeah so there is still that but it is refreshing to know that there are women that are grinding, you know, there's some that are, and I'm not a grinder. I I think I was maybe for a while, but like there are women that grind in this sport. There are women that, I mean, Lorianne Murphy yeah. has done it forever. I know. Rachel Finn has done it forever. Alice Owsley. Like there are so many women that grind and that are, you know, it's their job. They love it. They're passionate about it. They're really good at it. They can speak every bit of it. And then there are some that it is a, maybe a mild interest. And, and I'm not to even downplay that. I certainly don't want to, because, again, the visibility and representation matter. As a woman, it makes you feel comfortable, like, OK, I can do this sport. I can, Like there are others like me in it, you know, right. and I want there to be now just tailing on that, like some intersectionality, not just in gender parity, but, you know, in culture and in, in ethnicity I mean I, I would love to see more of that um yeah that's kind of my hope because again knowing just from my once I started seeing like I remember seeing Wendy Gunn you know or I Lorian Murphy on a magazine once in a blue moon and being like oh my god I get so excited or Pudge Kleincoff you know I'd see these women and be like oh my god it's so cool women do this yeah I loved it but I never saw women doing it so i I feel like that is, like, that. that's so important, again, in the intersectional part of it, like, to have more than just one demographic um, visible, you know, on podcasts, talking to people, yeah.
0: I think it's great. I think, I'm going to think, I'm going to be creative about it because the one thing we've done is we do a lot of podcast episodes here, you know, probably more than most, so... Maybe there's a way I can fit it in where maybe I can find even potentially a, a female host to help with part of our some of our segments. Yeah. I could see that being really cool, right? To say, Hey, you know what? I Hell yeah. I can't find somebody, but you know what? If you host the show, the segment, I'll let you go find the guests, right? That, so maybe would that be cool oh, to you? Would God. you listen to that if that was uh we had that going?
1: Hell yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: Exactly. Well, maybe we'll have to talk. We'll have to talk down the line. We can see if we uh, you know, <laughs> put the, get the right person in the role. But uh, I've been doing that, actually. I've been this year. has been fun because I've been bringing on a couple of new hosts to uh, dig into specific yes. topics. You know, like we got Jeff Liske oh. is kind of doing our steelhead stuff out of the Great Lakes. and
1: <laughs> Yeah, yeah.
0: and uh, But it's amazing. But the Drift list, let's go back to that. So, well, let's just circle out. The women, I think we all have a lot of work to do, right? I mean, I think that I have a lot yeah. of work to do. I mean, what would you tell the guy out there that's listening right now, which is a bulk of our audience? Like, what can that person do to help what we're talking about here?
1: Ah, uh, I love that. I mean, just the idea of just being an ally. You know, I mean, I think for people who really do care... And want to see change, you don't want to go overboard, you don't want to be dismissive, but then you don't want to be too, you know, like, yeah. hey, go, down, go girls. But I do think some enthusiasm is, is certainly nice. But I do also think, you know, like when I go into a fly shop, I don't want somebody to pat me on the head. That's going to piss me off. Yep. You know, that like, energetic, oh, how cute, you're here. Um, That drives me crazy. Just talk to me like you would a dude you know, talk to me like you would anybody else. And that's kind of the thing that I'll tell you the last, and I, I go into fly shops frequently when I go, you know, fish other places and I can't remember the last time I was treated differently. I really can't. So to me, that's so encouraging. Like the last one I was in Cle my God, like this, the fly shop owner was just awesome. And he, you know, he was very attentive, but he talked to the guys the same way he talked to me. He talked to me as if not making an assumption that I didn't know what I was doing. Um, you know, let me ask the question. It was just it was so refreshing. Mm. And he was he wasn't young, you know, by any means. So there is kind of a generational thing where I'm it's broad here, but it tends to be true that maybe the older shop owners don't just don't know how this is new to see women. And this guy was just like right on cool I'm glad you're here here's you know just again treated me like and with two other girls treated us like anybody else and it was so nice that was so nice that's the kind of thing like That's what feeling you feeling welcome yeah you just want to feel welcome in the sport and I think that's just the main thing
0: That's it perfect Cool. Well, we'll leave it there. I love that conversation because that's always something I'm interested in trying to do a better job. So we'll be working on that. Um, let's take it back into the fly shop really quick here and then we'll start to take it out of here. Um, so, if somebody is coming in, you know, today it sounds like this is the busy time, people everywhere, and, and this person walks in and they, they've fished a little bit, but they need all their stuff. Like they need a rod, they need a reel, they need. What do you give that person today? How do you get them started? Like, what do they need for a rod, type of rod line, all that?
1: So, we have a full shop and i guess i am personally of the opinion i have to find out you know how much they are going to fish so i am not a i'm not a high sale person i won't put you in a Scott rod if you don't know how to use it you know i love Scott rods that's what i fish but i won't i won't do that so i will find out you know i don't even ask what's your budget i want to know how you're going to fish how much you're going to fish yeah, you know i will do that first And I think just because that's what I want, I don't want somebody to park me into, you know, a high, high high-end anything before you know what I need. And some people want that. And I'm like, really happy to sell you a Scott Rod, but that's not where I'm going to start.
0: Right. So if somebody comes in and they say, hey, I'm coming in from Chicago and I fish, you know, I try to get out, you know, half a dozen times a year, but I'm still... You know, I'm still learning sort of thing. So you would get them into like a nine foot five weight, something on the the lower end.
1: Yeah, and a five or a four. I love kits. I mean, I think for somebody who, because you can always use that as your backup rod.
0: What's a good kit you guys have there?
1: I love Echo. I mean, I just love Echo kits. I think they're solid. I love, you know, their, I love their customer service. I just think it's a great company. Ray Jeff is a great guy and that's just a great company. Uh, I know he sold it, but um, yeah. I love that company. I also... Orvis makes great kits. The Clearwater kit, the Encounter kit, um, the Traverse on Echo, kind of going back, but a base kit and a Traverse kit. We carry both of those, and we carry the Encounter kit, and we carry the Clearwater kit for Orvis. Um, Orvis, again, you know, great company. But those kits, those four are awesome. I mean, I know there are other... Like, Reddington has a great kit. They all do. Yeah. I think that's a great way to start. Um, If you want to go into, you know, a little, like... Into a middle range, you know, I might talk about a recon or love Lampson for reels. Liquids are great. Yep. So, yeah, they're middle of the road. And then, certainly, we have all the high end stuff that because I own a fly shop, I use and love.
0: That's right. What's the high end reel you have in there? A good high end reel.
1: So, we sell Hatch, we sell Orvis, we used to sell, um, well, we sell Ross, we also sell Stilton. We do sell those. Um, We don't have Able and we don't have, and we should, you know, we've talked about it. Right. We just don't move them where we are. You know, people pick those up in Chicago, which is great because Chicago, we love those guys. Um, Yeah. So that's not, we're destination.
0: Yeah. You're covered. You got it. So if somebody picks up, let's just stay with that echo. They pick up the base kit. They have that. It comes with everything. They pick up um, just some, some built leaders and a few flies and then they're off on the water.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I mean, we'll, we've got apparel, we've got waiter's boots, we've got everything. So even though we're destination, I mean, we certainly cover our area and, you know, oftentimes somebody's boots blow out, they need a new pair of boots. We got them covered.
0: Right. Are waiters required there? Could you just do like waiting boots with uh, socks out there?
1: Oh, so I wet wade like probably middle of May and I won't get back in waiters until probably middle or at least at least middle maybe end of september so yeah. i'm hardy there you go <laughs> i you go. love it um but pant waiters certainly i mean it's it's like and i'm tall but hip you know yeah, maybe mid thigh is as deep as i'll get yeah hippers are great hippers are great pant waiters are great
0: yep yep i saw these things out there i think I'm not sure what they, I think they're like neoprene, like pull over your, your kind of your calves, maybe your legs a little bit. I don't know. Some type of a thing out there. Maybe it's like a wetsuit thing, but I I've used that right though. You know, the companies where you got the neoprene booties you put on, you know, like a sock.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Guard socks. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Guard socks. Those are great.
1: That's what I wear.
0: Yeah, exactly. Okay, so good. Well, I think we covered, you know, did a little uh, primer on uh, on the drift list. <laughs> Anything else? Like, again, let's take that person coming up from Chicago first time there. Anything else you would get that person ready if they're coming into the drift list for the first time? You'd tell them?
1: You know, it, Chicago's, I mean, most of the people from Chicago, if you're fishing trout, will come here. I mean, I, I think it's most of our clientele are from Chicago.
0: Oh, they are. So Chicago is a huge, That's that's, yeah, that's a hub.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, So I think, you know, they understand the technical fishing. It's when people come from out West that oftentimes a long cast is not like I shorten people's cast here, which is so weird. Yeah. You know, I'm constantly shorten that cast, shorten that cast for line and fish, shorten your cast, don't water load, like those things that there is a technical element. So if you really, really want to fish it hard and get good, it's certainly a good idea to get a guide here just shortens that you know that learning curve
0: yeah it's always a good idea no i think the guide is probably the number one recommendation if you i mean yeah no you can learn anything but it's just going to take you probably a couple more years to get to the same spot right
1: yeah or even if yeah if you're gonna if you know you're gonna be fishing this for a week or weeks certainly Mm. you know Mm -hmm. and you're not afraid to pound the pound sand and figure it out definitely go for it i think that's fun But if you, you know, have a certain amount of time, limited amount of time, and you just want to learn it quickly, yeah, grab a guide.
0: Perfect. All right. Well, let's take it out here. This is our uh, Fly Shop Friday uh, segment. And it's not Friday today. Or is it Friday? Yeah, it's a Friday again. I've done this again. It is. This is amazing. This is the (laughs) randomness of it because I have, I do episodes like almost every day. But yeah, so Fly Shop yeah. Friday, I didn't even think about it, but that's perfect. So Fly Shop Friday, we got a couple of random questions to ask you here. These are going to be easy kind of softball questions, but... Um,
1: good, I need easy.
0: <laughs> good. So the first one is you obviously have a great fly shop. What would be another fly shop around you would recommend? You've mentioned a few. I'm not sure if Iowa has some shops oh. or another place. Yeah.
1: It's so funny because in the Midwest, I don't know if if we're just an anomaly, but like we really all play pretty nice together. You know, everybody is kind and i think supports each other it's it's so nice but another trout shop so the trout shops that are close to us that are wonderful in Lanesboro, um root river rod company and then there's an orvis shop in preston and then in iowa i think the closest one is in des moines and it's rod and rivet and they're, I think, going to open a shop in Cora which is closer to us. Oh, perfect. And he's a really, really solid guy. In Minneapolis, Mend, um, Mike is just a cool dude, a great, great shop, beautiful shop. And then going the other direction, Musky Fool in Madison.
0: Oh, yeah. Yeah, Musky Fool.
1: They're great. And then um, as you go further east, um, Tight Lines in Green Bay, Timmy's awesome. And then... Um, Flyfishers in in uh, Milwaukee, Pat, and then John and Andy in uh, Chicago. Flyfishers in Chicago—they're amazing. And Jeremy in DePage. <laughs> they're, they're, I'm missing a ton. I'm sorry for everybody I miss.
0: That's right. Well, uh, if you remember, we'll throw them in the show notes. We'll have links to all these shops in the show notes, so people can check them out, and we can add as we go. So,
1: okay. I mean, we have a pretty big radius without other shops, which is nice. Yeah. The shops around us are are just awesome
0: perfect perfect so we talked flies i'm going to skip the fly question so so a tip so if somebody's out there again they're on the stream first time there what is one tip you're telling somebody to help them maybe find their first fish
1: um a bit of stealth is important you know you don't always have to be on your belly right we don't really fish fluoro you know i mean
0: are you ever on your belly crawling around getting ready for something no
1: god i'm a chunky girl there is no (laughs) you're not doing it (laughs) yeah That's too much. And I'm old. That yeah, is, right. That's too much work. I mean, maybe in the day I did it a bit, but oh, hell no. Right. Um, no, but just approaching water slowly. I, do not, like, the water loading thing is, I think it's so under, it's such a big deal. And I think people think it's not. Water load behind you. You know, that's just it. Water load behind you. Don't water load in your fishy area. Because really, we can catch fish 10 feet in front of us. So fish aren't, they don't tend to be really spooky unless water's low. But movement is the other thing. Like people just dead drift, dead drift, dead drift, really soft, you know, lots of slack. You really still can't have that amount of slack that I think some people think you can. Um,
0: Right. Because you miss fish because when they hit, you miss them.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And the subsurface takes are soft, really soft. So we do, think pretty much every one of our guides, we all fish uh, either hopper dropper, either a foam pattern as an indicator or with a true indicator. So definitely indicator fishing. Um, Yeah, and I would say just again, like water disturbance is a bigger deal than I think people assume it is. We still fish summer months, you know, even when it's hot, we fish early, early mornings, we mouse at night. So yeah, that's I think what I would tell them
0: Oh, that's awesome. Those are great tips. So, so I always try to get a, a song, a musician or some type of uh, to throw in there for the, your story on Instagram. Do you have, are you into music or do you listen to more podcasts or what do you have there?
1: I am into music. Um, I really like 70s. It's just what I kind of grew up with. So 70s, early 80s. Oh my God.
0: Like who would be a, who would be a band?
1: Uh This one just because it makes me laugh. Let's hear it was it. Such a weird band, Doctor Hook. Oh,
0: like Doctor Hook. Love it.
1: Oh my God, just cheesy, cheesy. Perfect. And I just think of that lead singer's like, <laughs> I do love, I do. That makes me laugh. Um I listen to seventies on series, seventies and eighties. I'm actually an eighties kid, but the seventies just makes me think of my siblings.
0: Was Doctor Hook eighties or seventies? Seventies. 70s oh 70s and it was like what like classic rock just kind of rock
1: yeah 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 i mean then yeah yeah but i mean like i was young but there are just certain bands that make me giggle and that's one of them that makes me just like oh it's, it's so bad it's good kind of thing you know yeah
0: i love that i can't wait to listen though no, i'm not familiar but i had one uh, like i said the main fly guys he mentioned i did the same question i i'm pretty much gonna do these every time because i love the music question but um he said queen right and i hadn't listened to queen oh my god
1: queen's in there for me
0: yeah everybody knows queen right but he he mentioned queen i started listening to them and i like i couldn't stop listening to them and i'm like wow this this is a crazy group right their lead singer was just yeah uh, yeah, it's a crazy story anyways so i love this and i'm going to check out uh dr hook for sure um
1: (laughs) in yeah like juxtapose i i love cake now Cake, yeah and and again I, uh, you know, cake's great. Uh, but that will, I would probably listen to cake or on Pandora, or Spotify, like in that genre, I do, I do like that.
0: Yeah. Cakes. Perfect. Good. Well, we got a little, little bit of music here to add. So, so I think we'll leave it there, Jerry, until we, uh, you know, follow up on the next one here. I'm hopeful that to get up to the, uh, that's one of those areas I'd love to get up to. So we'll be in touch maybe.
1: Yes. Please, please. And I mean you got a place to stay. We would love to host you here and
0: Oh right. Yeah. You guys have a little you guys have a little deal there or like a, a lodging in there?
1: Oh for sure. But I mean, it's just mean crash with us. Oh yeah, right. We're midwestern. Yeah. It's all good. <laughs> crash with us.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome. No, I, I think we uh we've got family that we haven't been out, like kind of distant family. We've been thinking about hitting that area and and so yeah, it'd be awesome. I'll, I'll keep in touch with you on that and then um we'll send everybody out to uh, driftlistangler.com, right? Yeah.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Yeah, thanks Jerry. It was a lot of fun and I look forward to keeping in touch with you.
1: Right on. Take good care. Thanks.
0: There we go. You can head over to slash 468 right now to get the show notes for this episode. This includes uh some videos, some other content to follow up all the links we talked about today, a transcript at the bottom. We're continuing to deliver uh, as much value as we can there. So check it out right now. Let's do a quick listener shout out before we get out of here, Ryan McDonald. Ryan said, I live and fish mainly in Southern California. Favorite fish to target is bluefin and yellowfin. Equally on the surface, uh, talks about fish and poppers or fly gear for small, smaller fish. And Ryan said, love the podcast. There we go, thanks Ryan for the, uh, the connection here. Thanks for supporting the podcast and if you want to get a shout out head over to wetflyswing.com or send me an email dave at wetflyswing.com and uh and just check in let me know you're listening to the show if you haven't checked in before and you are a listener short time or long time check in I'd love to hear from you and know that we're on track here all right uh, that's all I have for you I'm going to make this short and sweet and get out of here hope you have a good day And, uh, and I know we've got a great episode coming on Friday this week littoral zone so stay tuned for that how to uh Figure out lines uh, and clear all the confusion with Phil Roy. So stay tuned for that. We've got a great Littoral Zone episode coming this week. All right. I hope you have a great afternoon, great evening, or great morning, wherever in the world you are. And I appreciate you for stopping in today and checking out the show. Look forward to talking to you soon. Thanks for listening to the Wet Fly Swing Fly Fishing Show. For notes and links from this episode, visit wetflyswing.com.